0: My darling girl, when are you going to understand that being normal is not necessarily a virtue? It rather denotes a lack of courage.
1: You've just entered the cool friend hour.
2: everybody do you like midnight margaritas and getting caught in the rain do you throw spilled salt over your shoulder and plant rosemary by your garden gate well then you're in the right place welcome to the ghoul friend hour i'm your host morgan fezza let's get weird <coughs> all right hey everybody welcome to another episode of the ghoul friend hour i'm your host morgan fezza and today i'm super excited to present our special guest john bullard um we are going to talk a little bit about today about some books some awesome movies that are out right now documentaries um and i'm going to pass the torch to john and have him introduce himself
1: Thank you for having me again. Uh, so my name is John Bullard. I am a paranormal investigator uh, with The House in Between, The House in Between Two. Uh, I've written a book on the paranormal called A Peek Through the Veil. Uh, so I've been in the paranormal field for a little over 15 years now. I started in about 2008, and. Uh, didn't know that I would stick around this long, but it's been a lifelong journey. I'm not great at a lot of things. However, weirdly, uh, the paranormal field and uh, all the things that are wrapped around being an investigator, I just seem to be naturally good at. So um, it's a labor of love for sure.
2: Absolutely. And I mean, thank God, you know, that this is your specialty because you really have I feel like you've shined a real light on not just, I feel like when you watch a lot of the paranormal shows, you know, you get to see the spooky aspects of it, but you don't get to see the behind the scenes, the scientific measures that go into it, the equipment. Um, So, you know, just kind of having, I remember sitting down when I saw the trailer, um, we were watching it on Apple TV and we, I was super excited. And my husband, I'm like, oh, we have something new to watch. Like we got to put this on and we popped it on. And to be honest, I did not realize just how truly intricate of like it's a skill it's an art it's really like you said a labor of love because there is hours and hours and hours of watching and waiting and measuring and really trying to get you know true results and stuff that you can explain um and so I just think it I just thought it was super neat when we were watching it because it wasn't what I expected and I was so pleasantly surprised by that because it was even cooler than I could have imagined
1: well, thank you. Yeah, I think the first house in between um, it, it you know, we're blessed because it, it came out right when COVID hit, unfortunately. So there was not a lot of new content out. Uh, so I think that helped propel it to where it went. But we had no idea the success of the first house in between. Um, and it was different from what a lot of people thought, because when you see Steve from Ghost Hunters, And you think about paranormal and a true haunting and, you know, Hollywood does a great job at what they do. Like uh, James Wan, one of my favorite directors and Mike Flanagan he does a lot of stuff on uh, Netflix. They do great jobs of creating horror that scares you. Uh, And in a way this is scary because it's real obviously, but it's just not what people expected per se. You know, we got a lot of that feedback where there's not a lot of jump scares and it was a little slower paced moving, but that was kind of the purpose. And, Uh, To Kendall and Vera, uh, the directors and cinematographer, and Steve, to their credit, uh, we wanted to just jam as much paranormal stuff because we had tons of footage. You know, we've we've documented the house for years and years, but they're like, well, let's hold up. Um, You know, this, what they really wanted the house in between one to be about was Alice, was Alice's story. It's a human interest story mixed in with some paranormal and then obviously some scientific stuff. And I think that blended together turned out great because it didn't just attract um your paranormal crowd right your supernatural crowd it it was people who were into like crime and like true story and it really just tapped a whole bigger audience than I think really sucked them into what we were doing and it really laid a good base for us to eventually create the house in between two. which you if you've seen it or if you haven't go watch it um you can see that we opened up a little bit more. We did a little bit more uh, paranormal investigating in that. We brought some other investigators in, Dustin uh, Parry and Elizabeth Saint. So I would say I love both films. I think they're they're masterful. They're amazing. I'm so thrilled and honored to be a part of both of them. Uh, the first one, laid the groundwork, but I think part two, uh, which a lot of people still have not seen. I think it really just, it's amazing. The things that we were able to document um, and the direct responses that we're getting inside Alice's home, is something that's just truly is incredible.
2: Yeah, and I think my favorite part about it was so when I watched the first one I remember being like okay, I have so many questions. And I wanted to know, you know, is this the house? Is it the land? Is it, you know, and so that second movie really dives deep into what the bigger root problem is. I felt like you kind of get to know Alice a little bit more. Um, and like you said, um, you did have a lot of really awesome people on. Um, I did want to mention uh, Jill Morris and um, excuse me if I mispronounce his name, um, Sam uh Bald- Petrusis? is that how you say it?
1: That, that's as close as I can get to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and so I just thought it was, it was really cool, the mixture of different team members that you have working on this. Um, and from what I had read, kind of just doing some research, it's been a, f- a 14 year process of trying to get Alice back in her home. Um, and I know that she, this was supposed to be her, her dream home. This was supposed to kind of be her happy chapter, her retirement, Um, especially, you know, working as a retired, um, she's now a retired psychiatric nurse. I mean, that's a, that's a long life and a lot of hard work to now build this home. And, and now you can't enjoy it because she's so afraid to be in it. So, you know, I think it's awesome and it speaks volumes of your team about how deep you guys have kind of delved into this over that span of 14 years is that is that the correct timeline
1: yeah absolutely it is and and yeah I mean you know when this first started um a friend of a friend contacted me to get you know link up with Alice which I didn't do a lot of private resident stuff I was a selfish investigator I like to (laughs) investigate locations that I like to investigate because I wanted to document things for myself yeah. Um, and that you know that's just it, it, like silent audio EVPs is just one of my favorite things Uh that's what brought me into the paranormal when I was a young child I would hear voices I would see shadow figures and just kind of validation for that clean clear audio is just something that just ramps me up you know and anybody who's in the field um, investigator medium whatever you know it is like I said a labor of love because there's just countless hours where you just don't get anything and it's just You know, you put the hours in, you put the work in. I think that um, if you have good intentions, you'll eventually get good results, which is what we've seen. You know, I mean, um, and it's neat to have the documentaries and and all that good stuff. But doing this for 15 years, it's a lot of just bumping in the dark, trying to validate stuff yourself. But going back to Alice, you know, when this first started to happen, she was – embarrassed you know we we are in Mississippi the Bible Belt I mean you know we're not as conservative as some people make us out to be but it is still a conservative small little Mississippi town and um she didn't you know she didn't know who to contact her obviously you say you got ghosts in your house people think you're nutty and but just meeting Alice the first time I could tell she was genuine she was scared and coming to know her all these years I consider her family I really do I know it sounds corny but it, it is true when we talk pretty much every day about something, whether it's paranormal related or not. Um, But just to be able to kind of give her a peace of mind and share that she wasn't crazy. That was kind of my first goal was to capture something because she seemed truly terrified. And the first time that I went inside the house and I sat on the couch to talk to her, to kind of get the gist and the story. And, you know, like I said, I didn't do a lot of private residence because I had a couple bad experiences. A lot of people think their houses are haunted. Most of the times they're not. And I ran into a situation where there was a mother and she was neglecting her children. And so I just got away from all that. It just wasn't my scene. And there's people who do that and take on private residence cases. And it's a lot when you get involved with a a family who trusts you to come in their home. That's a big deal. And like I said, I was a selfish investigator. That was not the responsibility that I wanted. Um, (laughs) but meeting Alice, uh, I just, me and her clicked instantly. I had an experience inside the home. I saw a shadow figure go up the wall, uh, towards the stairwell, which has become a highly active area over the years now, but I didn't know that going in, but it reminded me of a a shadow figure that I saw when I was a kid. And that's, I mean, that's what tapped into me more deeply than not, but I knew that she had a true haunting. I wanted to explore it and I had no idea what we were walking into. Um, and if you watch the documentaries, both of them, you know, you see those those quick clips of like the baseball and the chandelier and some of the things that move. And you may look at it and go, ooh, ah, but you do realize you have to sit back and understand that that's like over a decade's worth of capturing that stuff. And it may seem easy or seem easy because you're watching it, you know, five, 10 minute clips, whatever. That's a lot of hard work. And it's always, obviously, compacted uh, into a documentary to, to look good. But, um, Yeah, I just had no idea the intelligent haunting that we were about to uncover, and we're still uncovering now, but I've just, I've been all over the country, I've been out of the country investigating, and I've never been to a place that consistent.
2: And I just, I mean so uh, when I was telling all of my friends, um, about the documentaries, the first thing that I always mention is that baseball, because as somebody, um, also like yourself who has had paranormal experiences since I was a young child, I'm definitely very sensitive. Um, I know that for something like that to happen, you know, like you said, it's not an everyday thing and it takes lots and lots of time, but to see something that tangible and that, like you said, intelligent blew my mind. And I was like, I can't believe what I'm seeing here. Just so many just apparent things that were going on. And it's like, you can't refute that. Like that was just amazing evidence. And then you guys also, like I said before, had the the science and the amount of team members that you brought in, you know, you have paranormal researchers, you have, um, uh, I want to say Elizabeth was an electrical engineer.
1: She right? is correct. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Yep. And then we, then you had the two psychic mediums. And so it's like, you have all these people that are coming together from different backgrounds to really say like, this is tangible evidence. This place is haunted. Um, and that there is some absolutely amazing activity going on here. Um, but I think even more so for Alice, um, as somebody who I always call it like the spiritual closet stayed in the spiritual closet so long out of fear of, you know, that stigma, the judgment and people, you know, thinking that you are in that job, you know, Alice, that's such an isolating feeling. So for you guys to be able to come in and help her validate that and to make her feel, that she's not crazy and that there is something here. Um, I'm sure that was just such a life-changing moment for her. And I'm sure she's like forever grateful because I know that like if I was younger and I had somebody to validate some of my experiences, it would have probably changed the trajectory of my life. So, you know, I just think what you guys are doing is so amazing. So I just want to definitely commend you guys. And I just think for you to be able to show that side to the world is really brave and it's it's definitely needed. The education is definitely needed.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. And Alice now it's like almost, you know, she, she obviously won't stay in the home, <laughs> but in a weird way, she's, we've, we've captured so much uh, stuff that's intriguing. She's, uh, she's opened her mind a, a whole lot and she's not as scared, but she still will not get in the house. It's almost like it's like a puzzle. Like I always say, it's like a big puzzle. We put several pieces together, but there's still certain key pieces that are not there yet. Um, And like for like the baseball though, you know, that was something that obviously we put a hard object on the stairs, which was a high traffic area for paranormal activity in the home. Um, It's a hard object. Shouldn't move. It has stitching on both sides. We did that because we wanted a focal point. So if it moved left or right, we could see on camera, which way it's twisted and turning. And Traditionally, if you have a normal house that's leveled, that's not haunted, if you put a baseball on the stairs, it shouldn't move. Um, and that took, uh, I think, six months or so, which doesn't sound like a long time, but it's a long time. Well, like I always say, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over again, expecting different results. Um, so we just said it. I had full belief that it could happen I thought that uh I, I feel like I have a weird connection with the spirits in the house I've known them for so long maybe their family I don't know <laughs> um but eventually it happened but you know it's 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 incredible that it happened but the bigger thing and I wrote a chapter in my book about this not to plug my book but it's uh teaching the spirits so I do feel like we have the ability to connect on a next level with intelligent spirits who have that capacity and if we work with them long enough, it's almost like working with a child to ride a bike or walk or whatever, because once we had the ball move, once it started doing it, it's the same thing with the chandelier. I was in there for two or three years before we'd noticed the chandelier could do anything. I was doing an EVP session one night, uh, with my back to the chandelier and, um, ask if, uh, they were sad Alice wasn't there. And I got a shock to the back of my neck. Uh, I've never had this happen before. Never since. Um, but this, the chandelier shut off into my head. I was like, well, did they take the energy and zap me? Like, that was crazy. Um, and it's one of those things where you never want it to happen again, but you want it to happen again. And then <laughs> lo, lo and behold, we started focusing on the light. And it seems like the conscious uh, connection of like Alice, me, Brad, Amy, if we focus on an object or something strong enough in that house, it happens. We did a perfect example of that. I just wanted to flex the show how awesome our spirits are at the house in between for part two there was a doll in a blue dress and I, I brought this doll in it's not a haunted doll it's just a random doll but I said let's put a an object not from the house specifically in a place and let's focus on nothing but that and see if that can react and it only took like three or four weeks but that one object moved and it hasn't done it since so it's one of those things where you say it's just random but how many times do we have to show something and show a pattern and specifically call one thing out and it's moving for it not to be random? You know, so there's, there's, I'm trying to take what we're doing now with the house in between currently and I'm trying to see how close we can get to these spirits. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. But
2: that's so neat. That's really neat. And the fact that, you had that idea to you know to bring the doll in and that it only took three to four weeks when some of the other you know actions and behaviors took six months. I mean, it does show definite progress. So I mean that's amazing. Um, And I wanted to kind of touch upon, because there's so, like, I've just been so intrigued with so many of the things that you have done. So I did want to touch on your book, but I kind of also want to give um, our listeners, you know, just some background to your earlier days. Like, I want to go back to you kind of talking a little bit about your experience with the paranormal as a young child, Um, because I think that that's super interesting and kind of sets up the, um, the stage for how you went from that to where we where you're at now. Um, so what was that like?
1: Yeah, like I said, you know, I grew up in Mississippi, obviously. Um, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather and he lived in, uh, Brookhaven, which is a small town in Mississippi. He did estate sales and this, that, and the other. And, um, I would go with him during the summers, help move stuff, load stuff, tax stuff, and all that. And not just old houses, but certain places I would go, I would like, notice things see shadows it was just an empty house I would hear people talking and I kind of just discredited it for a while um there was one house we went to and it was an older kind of Victorian style house and he was um sorry he was outside uh and I was the only person in the house and I saw two silhouettes upstairs they were having a conversation and I knew without a doubt there was somebody up there having a a conversation <clears throat> I thought maybe my grandfather just didn't mention there's other people here so I started walking up the uh, stairwell I could still see the shadows and as I got to like halfway up the stairs it kind of like the sun changed and like the shadows kind of just faded and then the voices stopped so that was kind of a defining moment for me and I just wanted to validate what I experienced and I guess maybe ghost hunters was on tv I didn't really know anything about ghosts I didn't know about supernatural I just know what I experienced so obviously I got online the old dial-up internet because I'm old <laughs> and uh, started Good trying old to
2: AOL. Just get out
1: AOL yeah um, but I, I wanted to research local supposed haunted places and maybe just put myself in a situation as many situations as I could to see if I could experience something for myself like truly definitively experience something so I went to King's Tavern uh which is an amazing place small little riverboat town in mississippi in nash's mississippi and years later uh, i would actually do a episode of ghost adventures at king's tavern which was really cool to see because i think you know steve with ghost Hunter, zach with ghost adventures love them hate them you know they're they're pioneers in the field they've opened up doors for so many people um and they truly are great at what they do um storytelling shooting investigating all that so anyway Uh, I went to King's Tavern and um, late 1700s old old building there's a spirit of a girl named Madeline there that's supposed to haunt the place and uh, it was me and two friends they just supported me they're like you're an idiot but I didn't want to go by myself (laughs) so anyway they they used to rent it out it's a very small place the top um, floors three stories uh, was a bedroom was supposed to be Madeline's bedroom so it was a restaurant they didn't rent it out we went to the owner and I was like look we all three want to stay here tonight. And he was kind of like a snazzy little snappy guy. And he said, Ooh, all three of y'all, what are y'all going to do? So anyway, <laughs> I was like, it's like, it's not like that. Um, so anyway, we got to stay the night there and for, you know, we didn't know what we we're doing. I had the old school digital, uh, little voicemail mail tape, you know, I had a old oh my God, the, like, the
2: little silver box. Yes. <laughs> yeah
1: that um and then i had a couple you know sony night night handy cam cameras you know i didn't really know what we were doing but um six seven hours of the night really didn't get anything i was wanting anything and everything to be paranormal obviously i didn't know I, you know i had the total raw mindset going in but it was towards probably the last hour or two of the night we captured a door opening by itself on level ground and then we caught this just insanely loud a uh, female EVP that says hello. And then we had two or three other things happen. And I captured a couple more audio things that night. And I, I probably listened to that audio 300 times. I annoyed the crap out of everybody that was with me. Cause I just couldn't understand what we had captured. You know, and it was a silent recording. It's before spirit boxes and all that stuff. And I didn't have a spirit box, but um, just that moment of capturing that voice, experiencing that door open, It was like a light bulb went off in my head and I created Smoke and Mirrors Paranormal was the group that I created and the tagline was proof of life after death because that's basically what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to every location I could go, make it as authentic as I could and just put my evidence online for people to watch and see. And I shortened it down. I would do, you know, 10 to 20, 30 second clips of audio. I would do small snippets of video because I knew that, you know, people don't want to watch an hour video online, especially with people they don't know bumbling around in the dark. Uh, and I come with a marketing background. So I knew I wanted people to be able to click and see my stuff and be like, oh, that's cool and move on. But it would still kind of stay with them a little bit. So that's what I did initially is I, I created Smoke and Mirrors. And, um, and then we went on trajectory. We started going around the country and doing haunted adventures. And it led me eventually to Alice. And here I am today.
2: That is, I mean, that's amazing. It's just so neat that like, I guess for me, I always wondered, you know, do you guys ever get scared? Like, is there (laughs) ever moments, like, have you had anything or a case that has actually terrified you?
1: Yes. So I'll give uh, two stories. Um, One is a very well-known place. People always ask, you know, where's one place you won't go back to? And mine's kind of cliche, but I had a really bad experience there, so I won't go back to it. And that's Villisca Axe Murder House. Um, we went there in December in Iowa. And if you don't know what Villisca is, definitely go look up the story and research it. But it was a horrific murders, uh, children, adults, and all that stuff. But going there, I didn't really know what to expect. But um, reviewing the footage later on, it kind of makes sense to what I was feeling. Because I've never been like truly affected. Um, I am sensitive, and I can sense stuff, hear stuff. Every now and then, I can't hold it in; I can't control it. But that whole night, I was just off. I felt dizzy. I felt weird. I felt anxiety. Um, I blacked out. Like I just—I've never experienced anything like that. And then going back later and watching um, the footage from the moment we stepped on property, throughout the whole investigation, rewatching the cameras and setup, there was just light anomalies, just pegging my head. I mean, just pegging. It was nobody else, but they were just going in and out of my head. So, obviously, to me, I think that that had something to do with it. But you you hear about paranormal hangovers, but the way I felt after leaving Velisca, if I felt like that every time I investigated, I would not be in in the business. I would not be doing this anymore. Um, That place has got some, I think, dark energy. Uh, There's a lot going on there. And that place lives up to the hype. It lives up to its name. So um, that's definitely the one place that I will never go back to.
2: That's pretty neat to hear because um, I have actually listened to a couple of podcasts and I don't know why it's come up so much recently, but I've heard so much about the Villiscax murders. And I was like, you know what? I should really like kind of dive deeper into this and learn more about it because it seems like everyone that talks about it, they're like, that place is pure evil. It is, I mean, and you figure- I mean, and you already know this, um, but ghosts pull energy and I mean, really anything, any kind of paranormal entity, it typically pulls off energy. So I would imagine, you know, if you're in a situation like that where something really terrible has happened and it's a really um, low frequency energy that that's, that's got to take a hit on you. So, I mean, that totally makes sense. Um, But you are a lot braver than me because from what I've heard, I don't know that I could ever step foot in there. So I, uh, I
1: (laughs) well, uh, I was like, it was like a 14 hour drive. So I was like, we're doing this. Okay. We're doing it. We're making it happen. (laughs) We didn't drive in, 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 uh, Iowa in December to to not make this happen. So we, uh, we made it happen. And then the other story I have is a more local place. It's called the decent home. Um, it's in Jones County in Mississippi. There's a movie about, uh, the free state of Jones that has Matthew McConaughey. in it. anyway, it's kind of centered around this, this plot of land, but It's called the Decent Home. It's a really neat old Civil War style house. The fireplace actually has a panel where you push it in and pull it out. They used to hide slaves behind the fireplace. Really neat place. There was a murder there. There's still some blood uh, you can see on some of the wood. Um, But there's a male spirit there that's supposed to be nasty to women. And I was, you know, just being my dumb self. And I was in one of the rooms and taunting because Dar owns the house now, which is Dar's Daughters of the American Revolution. And uh, so they're doing some renovating and stuff. So, silly me was like um how do you feel about women taking over your house you can't do crap about it (laughs) i know and and i'm not that's typically not me i was just kind of you know in one of those moods and uh and i got what i can only describe and in my book i did a um my artist did a still shot of kind of what i experienced but i was in the corner of a square room and it felt like somebody just shoved me in the back of the head um i guess like those t-shirt cannons that shoot uh t-shirts at like basketball games and stuff with high pressure that's kind of what it felt like it was a hard pressure to the back of my head and do I ever get scared sometimes did I get scared there yeah I could barely get out of the chair to get out of the room fast enough so that's that's probably my most dramatic story that I've ever had happen to me in the 15 years I've done it but I'll never forget it so
0: But yeah, I mean, I can only
2: imagine that that would be terrifying. So I guess on the flip side of that,
0: have you ever had a case?
1: I think your audio is cutting out a little bit. I can't, I can't oh. hear your audio. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, can you hear me now?
1: Yeah, I can hear you great now.
2: Um. So what I was saying is, um, have you ever had a case that was like your absolute favorite? And I said, I, I kind of have a feeling it's, it might be the house in between, you know, what you're working on right now. But, right. you know, was there anything besides that that you were like, oh yeah, I would totally do that again?
1: Yeah, um, I did a location in Jamaica, which was really cool, just because the the experience. I mean, going out of the country, and you know, you think about New Orleans, you think about voodoo, voodoo like for reals, Jamaica. That that's like a whole another sector of the voodoo out there. Um, so that was neat. But also, me and uh, my wife went to um, it's a place in Louisiana called Frogmore Plantation. But that was the first real location I took her on which you know is weird i was trying to show off because I was a cool paranormal guy right (laughs) Um, but so she's a hospice nurse and you know she's never really put herself in that situation and I think there's a lot of people if they put themselves in situations more they would kind of highlight themselves and truly see that they have something that they could offer to the field Um, but she kind of just like went off on this like tangent of like talking to the owner and picking up names and I, I was like She's just trying to impress me? Like, this is super weird. I've never seen her act like this. But anyway, she ended up making the owner cry, like taking all this stuff. And I was like, huh. I was like, well, you can, I can put you to good use now. <laughs> so that, that was probably one of my favorite locations, um, as sappy as it is because, you know, I was number one, she enjoyed it. She was up for doing the location, but she was actually phenomenal at doing it as well. And they took a lot of pressure off of me because it's a lot sometimes when I'm the one leading, talking, doing all that, you want somebody else to kind of have your back and split those duties. So, um, Frogmore plantation was really, really neat. And the owner, it is a neat place to visit. Um, he took old original slave cabins from all over Louisiana and created like a slave row. Cause a lot of like school buses and tours and stuff come through there. So <clears throat> not a lot of people know about it, Uh, We didn't get a ton of activity there, but just a really neat off the beaten path place.
2: Okay, cool, cool. So now that we've kind of touched on like your marriage dynamic a little bit in the field, um, first things first, as I'm also, well, I was a former hospice worker. So I wanna just say, you know, kudos to your wife because, you know, it's a hard field, but it's so worth it and it's beautiful. And I truly think that it opens your eyes up to life after death, because I'm sure she's told you stories of, you know, people say a lot of really just, eye-opening things on their deathbed. So I'm sure she can attest to that. So that right there in itself is a attestation to the afterlife. Um, But I just think it's really neat that you and your partner kind of have been tackling this field together and that you found like a common ground, something that you can enjoy and I'm assuming bond over. So, you know, what is that like for you guys?
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, she came to a couple locations, like just as events, not a true investigation. We were hosting, you know, three or four places. We'd have 10, 20 people come, like Halloween, sell tickets. But that was our first real head first dive into a true investigation. Um, but it's, it's great because I'm I'm OCD, especially when it comes to like audio stuff. I don't want anybody else to listen to it because I feel like they'll miss something and it, it stresses me out. Um <laughs> But she's proven herself time and time again that not only can she pick it up, but she can decipher it just as good, if not better than I can on certain situations. So it's it's great to have that person beside you to plan, to pack, uh, to just experience the journey. Because I think that's what a lot of paranormal investigators love is it's all about the journey. It's, you know, finding that location you're excited about and thinking about it, booking it, getting all your gear ready and traveling there. And just, you know what I mean? It's like the journey is a whole part of it. But then also the back end, whenever you do an investigation, a lot of people don't realize, you know, if you do a four, six, eight hour investigation, that's a lot of audio to listen to. That's a lot of uh, footage to watch. So to be able to split that up and actually do that in an efficient way, too, has been good. And we've gotten to meet some incredible people, owners of these places. For some reason, the owners of some of these Victorian homes are like some of the most unique people you will ever meet. Um, I mean truly that they really are we went to a place in New Orleans not long ago and her her husband was like the set designer for Kiss the Band you know and she was like a famous author she had written all kinds of books they were filthy rich Uh, but it's just neat to hear their story and it's cool also that these people will let you know total strangers into their house uh, with like some of them have like multi-million dollars worth of furniture and antiques and all kinds of stuff so just the memories that you make you know because a lot of people go to Disneyland or you go to you know theme parks wherever you may go every time we go to these places it's memories that we're making together too so that's kind of just the cherry on top of the cake yeah
2: absolutely so I have to ask what's your favorite state you've been to so far
1: hmm. that is if you have more
2: than one maybe like a top five
1: um, there's some really neat places in Memphis in Tennessee. Um, so I'll, I'll just throw Tennessee out there. We, I want to go back and do some more locations there. I love finding locations that are, they have a good history, but it's more local history. It's not as like dominantly known, you know, yeah. um, but we've, we've found some really neat, uh, places in, uh, in the Memphis area. So I'll, I'll state Tennessee is my answer.
2: All right. All right. I can dig it. Um, so kind of now diving into your book, um, I know this book is pretty much your journey um, with the paranormal. And I thought it was really neat. Um, also, kind of doing my research, I heard an interesting story about how you got your cover art, um, the charcoal drawings from, I believe um, I had to write it down here. Um, it was. Oh. Well, I don't know where I can't find where I wrote it. My handwriting is too messy, isn't that great? Um, but <laughs> what I will say, um, is I I think it was was it uh, Peru was it Peru? Um, the You're general-
1: close. Yeah, Chile.
2: Chili, okay I was like if I remember correctly I remember um, hearing that you kind of had a couple people draw some art for this book um, but ultimately you had found this uh, gentleman and he could do these really awesome charcoal drawings Um, and I'll include you know on my Instagram and probably when I edit this video um, my favorite one was The Witch I thought that was so spooky and (laughs) I was like oh my gosh like I just think there's something about the essence of the charcoal drawings that just there's like a layer of mystery there's a true layer of like if you've ever seen a shadow person um, it does truly depict that dark kind of unknown to it so I just thought that was really neat how that's the art that you went with and it just really to me was the seasoning to your book like it just added that you know, pizzazz. So.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I do not read a lot. Uh, the grammar <laughs> in my book is not perfect, uh, but I, I did have, it's something I've always wanted to do. Um doing something for 15 years and the stories that I've had and the interactions and, you know, I had so much in my head and I had some old notes and I just, to be able to put that together and just lay it out as clear as I could, I wanted to do that, but I'm also a very, Heavy visual person, so I knew I wanted it to be thick with art, um, and I've always loved charcoal paintings. And I agree with you; I feel like they're they're raw and they're real. I feel like sometimes you could feel like they could jump off the page; they're kind of creepy. Um, but I, I love that aspect of the art, and yeah, I wanted somebody local. Obviously, I wanted somebody from Mississippi to do it, but they just it was. I'm busy as it is, and I was writing the book, and I knew what I wanted. I wanted to be able to tell. Whoever my artist was, like write them a paragraph real quick, not very easily laid out, but just kind of raw. Here's what's in my head, put it on paper. And that's hard to do. And, and I understand that. And I ran through it's four or five different people. And there was a couple that you know I liked it, but it was just too much direction and it just wasn't what I wanted. So his name's Andres Blanco. And um, I just found him on Instagram. And the cool thing about technology, and I've told this story before, but you know, me and him have never spoken. I've known him for years now, and we've never spoken. I messaged him. He messaged me back. He sent a sample. I gave a story, like, for example, the story I told you where I felt like I was pushing the back of the head. I wrote that out in a paragraph and gave a few little details, and he sent me back pretty much spot on exactly what I wanted. So it's like me and him were just linked up, and I just knew it was like the perfect marriage. And <clears throat> with the witch, I agree. The backstory with the witch was uh, when I was little, um, I would have this reoccurring dream. And it was, I mean, it had to be six months to a year, maybe longer. But I could go to sleep in like a deep sleep. And if I could like focus on it, like I didn't want to have that dream with the witch. But I knew if I focused on it enough, I would, I would lean into it and I could bring her, almost conjure her into my dreams. So it scarred me as a child and I never forgot it. And that's kind of a depiction of like what I remember her as.
2: Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's scary. That is so scary. Because yeah. if, uh, And like I said, I will include the charcoal drawing of the witch because it is super profound and it is just, it is spooky as anything. Um, Just like I said, like the charcoal, it's just, there's not much detail, but there's so like it leaves enough to the imagination to be, to scare you. So I just, I really enjoyed that, that part of your book. Um, I just, like I Thank said, you. I think it was the absolute just little Shazam that just really put the cherry on top. So, um, you know, I, I want to kind of talk about, you um, some some stories in your book if you don't mind like maybe a little teaser for some of the listeners um because I do want to link your book um I will of course link the house in between 1 and 2 but we got to get this out there cuz I mean it's got me pumped up and I just if I could I would share it with everybody around the world cuz it really is eye opening
1: so but yeah I agree and, and I appreciate you doing that um and it's neat too because again the house in between we didn't know the success it would have but it's neat to see Alice's story not only like locally in Mississippi not only in the United States but around the world I mean there's people that have reached out to her from all over the world which is great however the weird thing is there's still people in our backyard like an hour away they're like what's the house in between so it's just all about getting it out there and letting people know and Uh, The house in between two came out basically like last week was like the year anniversary. And like I said, I love the house in between the first one. It's great, a great foundation, but I really, uh, the house in between two is such a great documentary and I am biased obviously because I'm in it, but I think what we were able to capture uh, Steve and Kendall and Brad and, and Amy, Alice, everybody included. um, I think that that was a very special film and to see the climax at the end I'm not going to give it away but you know I talk about conscious connection and what happened at the end of that film was something that I've been working on for eight to ten months and that was my last day of filming that was my exit interview I had to cancel it before because something came up so I was late they're literally packing stuff up there's wires everywhere And I just, as confident as I am, I just knew that the spirits in the house knew that it was important for us. We're helping to tell their story, to understand who they are. And lo and behold, you just got to watch and see what happened.
2: Love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I just, I can't talk about it enough because it's just, it's very different. If there's one thing I can say to the listeners on here, it is very different than your normal kind of docuseries or any kind of paranormal documentary that you're going to see. And it just truly gives you an appreciation of the kind of work that you guys do and the kind of help that you give to people who need that validation and they just need help in general. So um, kind of going back to your book now, I mean, give me a little, give us a little teaser, you know, what was one of your favorite things in your book that you kind of wrote about that, that really makes it stand out?
1: I think one of the most honest things I wrote in there, and this is just because I'm in the paranormal field and it's a small community, you know, uh, one of the chapters was Paranormal Pursuit. And it's got a old vintage TV with my face on it, kind of fuzzied out, you know. And there's so much negativity, unfortunately, in the paranormal field, especially if you're trying to aspire to do this as a career. And th- that whole chapter was basically making it okay to want to do this as a career, right? So, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years. And if I could do this full time, I would absolutely do it. To have the backing of a show or whatever it may be, to be able to travel around to investigate in incredible locations, to use my skill set, to document. That would be the ultimate dream. And I think a lot of people have that dream. But then a lot of people feel ashamed because if you're on TV, you're a sellout, this, that, and the other. So basically that whole chapter was it's okay to want to succeed in this field. You don't have to feel bad about it. You know, um, there's several investigators right now who are working on stuff, and they went through different avenues to get to where they are. Um, but everybody in the field, if you're in it for the right reasons – like I said earlier, I think good things will happen to you. Um, And you'll see the people who are not in it for the right reasons and they'll phase out, they'll fizzle out. I've seen probably hundreds of investigators come and go throughout the 15 years I've been in the paranormal. And there's people who've been doing this way longer than I have. Um, But I just, I just felt like that was a a voice to be able to say, it's okay. I've been trying to have a TV show. I would love to do this full time. And I failed numerous times. Um, I'm blessed to be a part of the house in between and the house in between too. Um, but if something is your passion, whether you're a singer or you're a painter or whatever it is, or a podcast, host, if you want to do this full time, if you could get paid to do something you love, that's kind of the ultimate dream. And I feel like there's a little bit of negativity out there where if that was your root, uh, then you were kind of looked down upon and I, I thought that was wrong. So I just wanted to voice my opinion on it.
2: Well, that's really neat. Um, and it's funny that, you know, the one thing that I I, I hear you touching upon that I think is really um it's a, it's a consistent theme every time that I kind of bring somebody on here from the paranormal world is really that power of intention and how you say, you know, as long as you're in it for the right reasons that, you know, good things will happen. Um, you know, I interviewed, uh, Chris McKinnell and he said something very similar. Um, when I talked to the, on the phone to Ralph Sarchi, he said something very similar, um, listening to other podcasts where people have interviewed, um, Um, you know other people in the paranormal realm they all seem to say the same thing and so you know I do like, I don't, I'm in agreement with you. I think that as long as you are doing it for the right reasons that, you know, good things will happen. And there really isn't, there shouldn't be any kind of judgment or shame as to how you choose to pursue your passion. Um, So I I just love the way that you're bringing important topics to light, whether it be in the book or the movie, um, the document documentaries. Sorry, I can't talk today. (laughs) 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 um and you know just the I am a big fan of genuine like authenticity and people who are authentic in their practices and the way that they choose to kind of use their platform so I think it's really neat to give a voice to you know um some of maybe the more um amateur paranormal researchers investigators that do share that shame and feel like they are going to be kind of pigeonholed into, you know, just kind of doing this on the back burner and never really taking it anywhere because of that judgment and those stigmas and the things that surround it. So I, I really like that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And there's, there's people out there who have a high skill set. They're way smarter than I am and they're doing things right now actively to show their skill set whether it's youtube whether it's you know whatever but we need that in the field we need more credibility somebody asked me one time you know why do you feel like even after the house in between one and two why do you feel like the science community will still not take you seriously right and like you know <clears throat> we had a geophysicist there we brought her solely for scientific purposes right we're trying to do everything we can to rationalize what's happening at Alice's house. And lo and behold, she had an experience, so she's tainted. But, like, obviously, we didn't mean to have that happen. But my response to that question was because anybody can be a paranormal investigator. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have a license. So why will the science community not take it seriously? Again, anybody can be an investigator. So there's a lot of people doing the wrong things. And some of them don't even mean to. When I started out, I was doing all the wrong things as an investigator, so I do think that people who have these shows, whether it's YouTube or on TV, whatever, if they're doing it for the right reason, showing really good skill set like methods, um, then I think it's just going to help everybody. I mean, we have one common goal, and that's to try to prove life after death, like my tagline said a long time ago, and to understand what happens when we die. Uh, you know, if there's intelligent spirits, how? close can we get to have direct communication with them so that's kind of where we're at
2: yeah and so uh one big question and I love to ask this to anybody who comes on here is do you think that a lot of hauntings are the result of dabbling like have you seen that in your time investigating where people um who don't know what they're doing or you know how do I, how do I phrase this? So people who maybe are using divination tools in their um, investigations are fairly new to this, are kind of dabbling and and kind of go into something. I mean, obviously that can be very dangerous, especially if they don't know what they're dealing with. Um, You know, do you ever have to come in and kind of clean up a mess that maybe previous investigators or maybe more amateur investigators have, unfortunately, maybe created an okay. issue yeah
1: yeah um yeah I've seen it a few times um and me personally I didn't yeah, I'm I'm very stubborn like uh I, I never used a Ouija board I didn't I, I didn't know what to think about that whole thing not just that but other stuff but there was the same location I mentioned earlier where I got pushed in the back of the head the owners um were just insistent on uh, using a, a Ouija board while I was like I mean, I, I don't care. That's the waste of time. I'm trying to get like movement or some audio recording, whatever. So I sat down with her and the two owners and we were filmed and, um, it was real strange. Like I blacked out and I got like, it was two or three minutes of just me staring off like a weirdo. And, uh, if you've ever had a dream where you're like falling off a cliff and you wake up, I was like snapped out of it. And my arm from like my hand to my, my elbow was numb for like, I mean, eight or nine hours. I mean, it was the next morning where I started finally getting feeling back, which um, I spoke to a couple of trust mediums that I, I, I really hold in high regard. And they told me flat out differently. They're like, something was trying to attach itself to you. And I'm like, well, won't be doing that again. So to answer your question, that and that was kind of earlier on in my career, um, I do agree with you that people play with that stuff. And they think it's, it is Hollywood. It is a movie. Um, and I didn't know what to make of it either. But there is some interesting and unusual and maybe not so much safe things that you can tap into that people need to have respect for um, because I've, I've witnessed myself. But to answer your question, yes, there is a couple of locations we've gone into and you can just tell people are just being tell totally idiots, you know. And, and again, it's because they don't believe, you know, they get in there and they just poke and prod and it's not their mess to clean up, right? because they can do whatever they want to, they'll pick up, leave. And it's just, you know, they're not even into the paranormal. They're just having a good, good time.
2: Yeah. And that's kind of where that like spiritual respect aspect comes in. Like, you know, I've watched things before on YouTube where people think, you know, um, Just like the, I don't know, just personally, I was always raised, uh, my grandmother was very spiritual, was very much a, um, very much a sensitive and she always taught me, you know, you respect the dead and if, you know, you see something or you talk to something, you always are respectful and you, you know, just. Remain those respectful boundaries. And I've seen YouTube videos where people go in and they taunt or they call names or, you know, they're using a Ouija board inappropriately or divination tools inappropriately. And it's like you have to wonder at some point, you know, how much of certain hauntings are actually, you know, that residual energy and the hauntings that were there originally, and how much was kind of invited there and brought there from people dabbling is kind of where my head's at. And I just was curious as to, you know, um, what you thought about that, like how much of the stuff you see, do you think was kind of invited and brought there due to dabbling and how much of it is a true, just kind of residual energy or something like a portal or a vortex and things like that.
1: And this goes back to me being a selfish investigator. (laughs) Because I, I specifically put myself in certain locations that have had historic hauntings. So I haven't done as much private resident stuff and, and newer stuff um, as some other investigators have. But I have run into what you're talking about a few different times. And it is, like you said, it is dangerous. And those are people who have no intention of being in the field long term uh, or learning to do it the right way. Because it's definitely not as sexy as you see on TV. There's a lot of sitting around, sitting in the dark with nothing going on, eating snacks. <laughs> um you know just it's uh but it, it's crazy cuz i mean you could go to i don't know five six seven locations and just get nothing but then go to that eighth one and you get like two things and it's like funny that those two small things can drive you to the next 10 locations you know it's such the small things that keep us like hungry
2: yeah and so um i guess my other just curiosity is have you ever brought something home with you has something ever kind of followed you home from any of your cases
1: absolutely my <laughs> wife was not happy about it <laughs> she wants to bring a puppy or kitten home I bring spirit um <laughs> yeah um our previous house and neither of our houses have been haunted but um I was by myself and we this is when we were high traffic we were going to several locations I mean we we're hitting back to back to back but I was I was home Uh, in the living room and all of a sudden I hear a little girl laugh down the hallway again there was nobody home so I thought maybe it's somebody outside you know we live in a cul-de-sac there's not really any kids but there could be there's nobody outside so I hear two bangs down the hallway I hear laugh again I'm like holy crap this is pretty wild and then all of a sudden my fan in the kitchen started turning on by itself and then it just stopped
2: oh my god I was like
1: and then nothing else ever happened we've had like some cabinets open and a couple of things but that that sequence I'll never forget because I was like huh and then there's one more time when we went and the lights in our house for like two days they kept turning on I don't know how to explain it I turned the switch off one time I turned around the switch was back on I don't know and then it only lasted for like a very short time it's almost like the analogy, I think the conjuring said something like that, but it's like stepping in gum and taking it with you, you know, um, it's never stayed, but we have definitely had some residual energy follow us back. Cause again, our homes are not haunted, but those things that happened were 1000% out of the ordinary.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like my biggest fear is anytime. Cause obviously when you're like young and stupid, um, I I grew up in New Jersey. So um, I did a small podcast episode on Greystone because that was a place that we frequented. um, And Greystone was an old psychiatric hospital. And I think we all know that any asylum back in those days was just terrible conditions. I mean, horrible things happened there. Um, And I just remember like my friends would be like, oh, you know, let's go and let's just see like if anything cool happens. And, you know, you're walking around and all I kept thinking was, oh my gosh, I hope I don't bring anything home. Like, please don't let me bring anything
1: home. <laughs> yep. like,
2: my grandmother will kill me. I'm like, <laughs> so I just always wonder how you guys do that. And you know, how often does stuff actually come home with you? It's, uh,
1: it's very rare. I would say I was going to leave before we have time, before your time runs out, I was going to bring Amy in for the last few minutes. If yes. there's time for her. Okay. okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to bring her in in just a minute. Um, to that last question, though, it's only been a handful of times, but I swear she will never let me forget it. Like, remember that time you brought the spirit on? <laughs> so, hold on one second. Let me get her. All right.
0: <laughs> uh, hi this is amy how are hi. you
2: i'm good how are you good good thank you for like hopping on for a little bit
0: yeah for sure i uh was thank just you for uh, having me
2: yes absolutely i'm um, still in my work my work attire sorry I, it's okay <laughs> I, I am <laughs> <out>. <laughs> i'm like we're kind of twin we both are wearing black you do, used to do hospice I did, yes. Yeah. So, so I'm a big, big hospice gal. Um, I actually yep. started nursing school. Um, and COVID hit, so I stopped nursing school, and then I took a marketing path. But I still say that my heart is just lodged in hospice.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm the same. I'm I'm uh, in retina now, um, but I did hospice nursing for several years and th- throughout COVID. Um, okay. Um, I did hospice and and it was it was crazy. It's so crazy.
2: I literally I left hospice in two thousand twenty one.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. I want to say it was a little
0: bit in because it was yeah, after I, I I left in twenty one as well. Yeah, <laughs> it was I'm like the
2: burnout was real. That was a hard time.
0: No, but do. burnout in hospice is very, very high. I did um so the last company I worked for, I did seven on, seven off. And so I did and I was so it was a call position. So I took call and we covered 14 counties and so 14 to 15 hours a night I was on call. And um, and I and you know, there were would maybe be a day here or there where I wouldn't really get anything that I would have to go out for. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I mean you're you're out. And then for the weekends, so I started calling Fridays, the weekends through until Monday at 8 a.m. And I mean okay. I was gone. I was gone I the whole weekend. Say, I would and, I don't I don't even think I have brain cells left by the time I came back. Yeah, that is I, mean, I was exhausted. And then I stayed home with my son during the day.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> that's a lot. That is a I lot.
0: I didn't get any sleep for two years because uh, he was six months when I started uh, doing hospice. He was six months old, and so yeah, I I, I got no sleep. I I literally <laughs> commend you because I'm like that's a lot at one time. I'm like a baby
2: hospice and COVID. Yes. I mean, it's
0: a trifecta right there for sure. Yes, yeah, it was it was a crazy time, but uh, but yeah, hospice is also my heart. Yes, I love is. I
2: always love meeting other hospice peeps because they really <laughs> I don't think unless you've worked in it, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, that's such a heavy job. And I'm like, it is, but
0: the reward and the oh yes. of it far outweighs so rewarding. Being able to be the one that is there with someone as they pass is, yeah. is just incredible. It is um a it's really a blessing for for you and you know in the family you know um so yeah that that was just an incredible um gift
2: Yes, absolutely. And and like I was kind of saying to John, I'm like, I'm sure, you know, before I, I got to talk to you, I'm like, I'm sure your wife can attest to, you know, the fact that the proof is in the pudding in the afterlife with that, because people say the, they say the craziest things that are oh so eye opening on their deathbeds. And I'm just like, yeah. You know, you don't understand until you sat there holding somebody's hand and they're, and they're like, listen, I need to tell you something or I see something and you're just like, this is the most profound
0: evidence I think I'll ever have in my life. So it's- exactly, exactly. And that that is why it was so easy, like because um, my first hospice job was 13, 14 years ago and um, just about a year into my nursing career. And um, that was why it was so easy to jump into the paranormal, because I had seen so much, you know, yeah. already. Um, so that, that was the segue <laughs> to <laughs> the into paranormal was, was my hospice background and John, of course. But I love
2: that. And like I was saying to John, like, I just think it's so neat to see. I just love seeing, um, I'll call you guys a paranormal power couple, you know, kind (laughs) of getting to use your different skills and, you know, bond over something like that together and kind of have something that you guys, you know, have in common and get to enjoy. Um, But are you, so I have to ask you, are you ever scared?
0: Like, were you scared on your first No, I was more, um, intrigued by like his process. Um, so it was more interesting to me than anything. I've, I've been, I've been scared. Like, um, the, um, did you tell her about the Natchez Theater Company, the house next door? So that was a, a really scary moment. Um, we were investigating there with our friend Brian. Um, and, uh, we were really there to, Investigate the Natchez Theater Company in Natchez, Mississippi. It's a really old building, um, and you know we'd heard like some angry, an angry male spirit lived next door. It's a it's an abandoned house, but they use it for storage for the theater company. And so we had wrapped up at the theater company, and so we were like, why don't we just check out next door? It was like two or three in the morning, and um, we get in there and we we did we weren't filming we were just taking using a digital recorder just because it was you know it was so late and um we were just kind of checking it out um and so we were kind of I wouldn't say egging on the male spirit but we were you know trying to get him to come out and um like you know why are, why are you here why are you so angry like why why are you scaring people you know those types of uh that line of questioning and, you know, some crazy noises were happening in the back of the house. Um, and then we were all just in the living room, kind of sitting there. Uh, well, it's not a living room, but it would be the living room space. It's just It was just full of, you know, theater stuff. props and costumes. And and there was a, a large garbage bin full of stuff in front of the, kind of in, placed in front of the front door. Not to where we couldn't enter or exit, but... Um, All of a sudden, you know, we were doing that line of questioning and the door flew open, pushed this. It was a really heavy, big garbage bin and just like pushed it across the floor. And it came out of nowhere. And we screamed bloody murder. (laughs) So we don't we don't have the video, but we have the audio. Um, (laughs) And we we thought like a homeless person was like breaking in to murder us. (laughs) <laughs> so, and and so we we checked it out, you know, we were like creeped to the door and um there was nobody. Oh. Nobody and there was no wind, like so yeah, that was that was pretty scary.
2: That would a hundred percent freak me out. I would definitely have to probably change my underwear after that. I would yeah. be
0: I would be I so- think I did. I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. It's just so
2: cool to hear some of the experiences that you guys have had. And just I think, like, uh, like John had said, just it's really neat all the different places and the
0: people that you get to talk to. and just oh, like, yeah, everybody's just, got a story. And yeah. you know, ev- everybody is is willing to like share their story too. You know, that's the thing. like I think I mean, everybody's had some kind of experience in their life, you know.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: So that's always neat to get to hear.
2: Absolutely. And uh, he was just filling me in on the, um, you know, I had asked him, does anything ever follow you home? And so he had me cracking up because he was telling me, he said, oh, my wife never lets me live it down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, de- we definitely do. And that, it, de- it, you know, it never, whatever spirit it is ever stays long you know maybe a couple of days but they they definitely do follow us on (laughs) there's no doubt about it we've had like a wall a wall sconce around a light fixture just like literally like fall off crack and fall off the wall like and it was sturdy and stable you know we've had cabinets open doors open and close um you know, I had um we had one instance after being at the house where I, I never know how to describe it except for like I was in bed sleeping and it sounded like someone hit hit the wall with their hand, like right beside my head. Oh my gosh. Oh <laughs> like, what? what's happening? That was early on in my um investigating. Too, oh my so. It's like if you heard it, no you didn't. I didn't Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just go back to sleep. <laughs>
2: so I do have a question for you so I mean has have your children ever noticed anything like have they ever come to you guys and said they've experienced anything strange
0: Uh, yeah our older daughter Kinsey definitely has um seen like shadow figures going up the stairs um she's just more more keen kind of on that and she's more like interested in that um in that field so she definitely has um our others I I can't recall anything um specifically Mm -mm. that's always a good thing that's always a good thing yeah Yeah. well and because children you know they I think that they a lot of times can see things we can't as adults um so
2: and that's kind of why I was
0: curious because you know it's
2: you always get the little ones coming to you and they're like, oh, you know, mommy, like there's a man in the kitchen. You're like, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, that's how today's going to go. All right. <laughs> so, you know, I was just curious, you know, with things, you know, following you home only for a short period yeah. of time. They've ever, you know, come to you guys with experiences because they do seem to be more prone to those things. So yeah,
0: Ken- Kenzie definitely, and she's very insistent when um she has seen something. She's like, "You have to believe me, you know, <laughs> this happened. I saw this." Um, so her for sure, but but my others, no, they okay. haven't. Do you think? Do you think that
2: uh, Kenzie will possibly kind of follow in the family? Oh,
0: she she's already investigated with us and she's yes she is at she's really good she's very very good she's very she's a natural she That's really is awesome. yeah we've got I some really um funny footage um from from the house in florence um she came one night and um there were a couple of other older teenagers um who would come as well just you know bring, you know bringing people in to investigate And um, something fell. What fell, baby? Was it a tall doll? So it fell. (laughs) And their reaction, because it fell right, like, next to them, behind them. It was standing on a chair. It is priceless. It could be, like, in a movie. It's great. They just... (laughs) And then run, and they all run down the stairs. But they're also like laughing hysterically.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love it. I love that though, because I just think it's so neat to kind of get some of the younger minds, you know, to start acknowledging, yes, you know, the the paranormal world. And hopefully, we'll have some, you know, less skeptics.
0: We'll have we'll have high believers, less skeptics. Get them, get them young. Get them young. Yes.
2: Oh man. Well, I, I have su- had such a blast. Like I literally, we need to probably arrange a part two. Cause I would love to have you guys on again and maybe, yes. next time, you know, have you both come on from the get-go and we can talk. The dynamic duo. Yeah. yes. <laughs> At paranormal
0: power couple. That's, that's right. <laughs> So no, but- that's. Be so great. I've really, really enjoyed talking with you too. Yes, it's been such a
2: pleasure meeting you guys. You know, I um Instagram has been wonderful, kind of being able to meet such great people in the paranormal world. And so oh, yeah. I knew I was like, one of my first peeps that I was like, I had to reach out to is when I watched this movie.
0: <laughs> God, frame. Just on it.
2: Um, I was like, I have to, I have to get John and Amy on here. I was like, this is gonna be. Awesome! Yay. So I just appreciate you guys so much. You know, taking the time to speak to a little podcast like me. Oh my gosh! No, you're great. Thank you for reaching out. Yes, absolutely. But you know, keep on shining, and I'm gonna keep on pushing the house in between one and two, and that awesome book because. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm fingers for crossed. The third, so. I'll be I'll be trying to manifest that. I'm gonna put it out into the
0: universe. Yes, and- put it out there.
2: Yeah, I'm like what you guys do with that, you know, definitely make it happen.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. Put it out there into the universe. Very conscious connection. Conscious connection. Conscious oh, connection. Yes. <laughs>
2: Absolutely.
0: But yeah, I just I
2: appreciate you guys so much for taking the time to talk to me and just hearing about all the cool stories and just this has just been amazing and I love learning so if you guys ever have any other cool stories or or tips for me you know I'll take anything I can get oh yeah
0: always Um, always we're always here to help awesome and we we learn you know something new every day too and every investigation you know trying different things and it's all all learning process
2: absolutely absolutely well, thank you guys so much again, and Yay! I will be sure thank to reach out you. soon so we can, you know, get you guys on the podcast again. Yeah, that would be awesome. Hey, I was gonna say, come on in here, John. we got to get him in frame. That we
0: It's odd. Yes. Awesome. Bye.
1: Thank you so much. That was awesome.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, just can't wait to have you on again. We'll definitely have to do this again sometime and uh, I'll be, I'm going to have to, I'm going to dive deep into a peek through the veil because um, it's... I'll
1: send you a copy. If you'll send me your address, I'll send you a copy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I would love that. Um, And then this way, you know, I just, I want to share it with everybody that I can. I can't well, say thank Well, thank you.
1: So, you uh, I appreciate so it.
2: Far. I mean, you guys have already come so far, but you're just going to go so much farther because this is what the world needs we need more of this tangible evidence and people that just have that genuine authenticity so
1: well thank you i appreciate it i love your background by the way it's um, so i'm 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 a halloween nut like it's it's a whole thing like the whole neighborhood knows like the whole i have animatronics and vintage <laughs> halloween sounds- stuff i I love it, just makes me and it just it touches a part of me from like my childhood, you know what I mean? That nostalgia Halloween. So it just in my four-year-old, he has like the most unhealthy relationship with Halloween. He's like obsessed with Halloween, also. (laughs) Like we're still listening to my Halloween, my Halloween. He loves Rob Zombie, and I'm like, God, I don't know what I've done. Michael Myers is his best friend. So it's a whole thing. I love
2: that though. I'm literally hoping that my two-year-old will have the same halloween love as me because like my husband's the christmas guy and like everyone knows me as the halloween lady like i come into work with my little halloween cups and i'm like every day for me is october 31st
1: <laughs> i know yeah the other kids they could care less but he's my buddy we dri- we got a little golf cart we drive around and look at all the decorations so it's oh, uh it's nice. awesome so it just it ties back into the whole paranormal so anyway but yeah it was awesome talking to you and uh we'll do it again for sure
2: Yes, absolutely. So the last thing I usually finish off with is my little slogan. So on the count of three, I just need you to give me a let's get weird. So one, two, three, let's Let's get get weird. weird. (laughs) Thanks again, John. And I will talk to you soon.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye.